You want to come grab a seat? Open up the first John chapter four. It's in the New Testament, yes. I know, I know. This is the word of the Lord. First John four, seven through twelve. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We're in a series right now entitled Go Love, and we're talking about this idea that no one has ever seen God, but when we love each other, the living God becomes visible to the world. First week, I talked about this idea of how no one has seen God, but as we love, God becomes visible. Week two, Tyler Ellis talked about this idea that love sees. We need to see people through the lens of Christ, love people as God would love them. Last week was Mother's Day, and my wife, Marcy, was up here and talked about this idea that love sacrifices. Love sacrifices. And this week, I want to talk about this idea that love endures. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your love for us. Lord, as a community, we want to love well. We want to love as you love. So these next moments, Lord, we ask that you would teach us. You'd speak to us. You would shape our hearts to be more like you. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for your love. Amen. Yesterday was a busy day for me and my family. Uh, We had... One of our Go Love projects uh, was a, a 6K uh, at Moon Valley Park with World Vision. Uh, it was raising uh, resources for uh, water in Africa. Uh, Christine Altavilla puts it on. And so I went over there in the morning and uh, ran the race with Damon. Um, he beat me by about 10 minutes. I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> so <laughs> but he beat me pretty good. Uh, but after that, I uh, had a very British morning. Maybe many of you had a very British morning. Went over to my father-in-law's house. He's from England. And actually went over to watch the FA Cup, which is a soccer match. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the match hadn't started yet, so apparently there was a wedding going on. Maybe you heard about it, the royal wedding. And so kind of watched a little bit of that. Uh, my, my wife was planning on watching it, and then she ended up sleeping in, and then ended up watching it like the rest of the day. So uh, really, really big event, royal wedding. Um, Hard to miss it, just kind of all over the news and uh, kind of a special time, a fun time, an American being married into the the royal family. And as we were watching kind of the pageantry of the uh, event and uh, watching this magnificent uh, cathedral is actually a chapel uh, for them, uh, my father-in-law turned to me and said, you know that, that, that church took about 50 years to build. And I thought, what? 50 years? That's, that's insane. This is uh, St. George's Chapel in the Windsor Castle. 
Uh, maybe you've seen, I think, uh, a picture of it. Look at this thing. Uh, beautiful. Uh, absolutely beautiful. And by the way, this isn't a cathedral. They call it a chapel because it's smaller. Um, as I started to kind of, you know, I heard it took this long to build. All of a sudden, my mind goes to, I need to know more about this place. If you go to the next slide, you can see inside of it. Just magnificent. So uh, beautiful, ornate. Uh, this was built the 14th century, and uh, it was kind of uh, rebuilt over a 50-year uh, period, uh, finishing in 1528. It was started by King Edward III, and then a number of Henrys took over the project, and finally Henry VIII was the one uh, to complete it over a 50-year uh, project, which means uh, this, this cathedral's, this, this chapel is over, over 50 years old. Um, as I was starting to kind of read, uh, what I found is that uh, many of these old kings, like Henry VIII and his third wife, I think, Jane Seymour, are buried underneath, uh, along with uh, the, the king that was the king of England when, when America um, revolted, declared our independence, <laughs> uh, you know, grew up. Uh, that king, uh, known by the Brits as the mad king who lost America, he's buried here. Uh, many of the great monarchs of England are buried here. So yesterday during uh, the ceremony, the, the young couple literally walked over the graves of these dead people. And there's, like, as you look, every, every little piece of this, it's so ornate, is symbolic of this rich history that they have. The, the columns, the, the stained glass, the light that comes in, uh, the different um, sculptures and pictures represents this rich history uh, of England. And it's rich history of uh, their monarchs, monarchs of story, stories that it tells. Also, there's this rich kind of theological story that's been built into the architecture. The architecture is Gothic. And uh, back in the 14th century, uh, when the, all the architects in Europe kind of switched to this Gothic architecture, I was reading how uh, before that it was all kind of like very swirly, uh, flourishing, fairy tale type buildings. And then after uh, the Black Plague, uh, the architecture changed uh, dramatically. Um, as as that, that plague wiped out so much of the population, the architects started to kind of build into these uh, very symmetrical, very um, structured, rigid, rigid lines into all their buildings um, to bring back some, some, some like simplicity and uh, uh, stability into the buildings to remind people uh, because so many people had lost lives during this plague. And this is kind of like the prototype for uh, Gothic architecture all over Europe, this St. George's Chapel. And you might think, huh, really interesting. I, I find this stuff extremely interesting. And I find it interesting because it took 50 years to build, and it has endured over 500 years. There's this longevity that comes from the St. George's Chapel where meaningful things have happened there throughout the ages. And yesterday, a young couple, one an American, uh, were, were married there. Uh, they were married there, by the way, because they wanted a laid-back wedding, and they thought Westminster Abbey would be too uh, showy. <laughs> so if you watched any of it yesterday, nice little backyard wedding at the Windsor <laughs> Castle. It took 50 years to build it, and it has endured for over uh, 500 years. I think that's, that's fascinating because uh, I'm, I'm young, uh, I'm 35 years old, I'm an American, and I don't think in terms of uh, longevity. I don't think in terms of uh, starting a project that's going to take 50 years to build. I don't think of 
really anything beyond maybe like next week. I, I'm starting to as I get older a little bit, but everything for me is short term. Everything is instant gratification. I make quick decisions. Um, I can't even stick to a diet for a week. This project is amazing to me. And I was thinking about this project, the St. George's Chapel, um, with this topic that we're going to talk about today of enduring love. Enduring love. Because I think the same thing that the, the people of, of this area, the English people, as they built this, there was an endurance that came. There was this vision that was bigger than any one of them, that was bigger than any king. There was this vision that generation after generation they have stuck to. And I think that when it comes to our humanity, when it comes to even our salvation, uh, the way that we interact with God and other people, we're called to this enduring love that lasts generations. Last generation after generation. And when it comes to God's love, I think that God's love is absolutely enduring. I did go to a wedding yesterday. It wasn't the royal wedding. It was a backyard wedding. And I was reminded of so many of those wedding passages about love. And one of the passages that we've looked at in the series is this 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. This is this amazing definition of love. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but always rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and it always perseveres. Always perseveres. Uh, I think the King James Version says endureth. Love endureth. I love that version. Perseverance is this Greek word, hupomeno, uh, huponeno. And the definition... Literally, it's, there's literal, literal and figurative definitions, but it kind of paints this picture, this idea of bearing trials, having fortitude, abiding and enduring and patiently suffering to persevere under misfortunes and trials, to hold fast, to endure, to, endure, to, to bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. This beautiful picture that love perseveres, it endures trials bravely and calmly. It endures ill treatment. This is the kind of love that we're called to. This is the kind of love that is God's love. If you watched any of that ceremony yesterday, they brought over the, the pastor from America, and he had these lovely words when he talks about, talked about love. He said, he said this. He said, Jesus did not come to get an honorary doctorate for dying. He wasn't getting anything out of it. He sacrificed his life for the good of others, for the well-being of the world for us, and that's what love is. This type of love that God has for us, which is sacrificing and enduring love that sees us, is this love that we're called to as his people. The psalmist writes about this kind of love uh, from God, and Tim read a passage earlier during worship, but Psalm 136 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. What we find is there's this cadence, there's this repeating, this meditation on God's love, the type of love that God has for us. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love 
endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever and freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. This enduring love, this eternal love from God, love that perseveres, love that knows us, that sees us, and decides to still pursue us. This love of God that we're called to, to love others in this way. And here's, I think, what happens is enduring love leaves a legacy in this earth. Enduring love leaves a legacy. The St. George Chapel isn't built without endurance and perseverance. And yesterday, as they walked through those halls and they thought of all the history of the life that's been lived there and the things that have been experienced, perseverance is why it's there. In the same way, our lives, we're called to this enduring love because it leaves a legacy with people. It leaves a legacy, the things that we build into over long periods of time. Again, this is something that is difficult for me to understand, to stick with something uh, for a long time. One of the favorite books I read over this last year, not last year, last couple years, and have read it again and again, is this book by Eugene Peterson. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Maybe you've heard of it. And he talks about our spiritual life, and he talks about um, maybe this kind of quick-fix culture that we live here in here in America. But he says this. He says, there is a great market for religious experience in our world, but there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. To sign up for a long apprenticeship, a long obedience in the same direction. To pour our lives into something with love over time. And if there is any challenge that I would have from this love of God that we are called to live is to this. Is to give your life to enduring love. Give your life to enduring love. Be a kind of people that love something for a long time. That sticks to it. Give your life to this enduring love because enduring love leaves legacy in this world. Give your life to enduring love. The legacy of your life will be built by enduring love. The legacy of your family will be built by this kind of enduring love. The legacy of your church will be built by enduring love. Love that perseveres. Love that sticks to it. Love that overcomes trials. I think this is the beauty of community, church community. It takes a while to get to know people. And then as you get to know them, you realize, I may not like them. We all have different things about us that are hard. But a church community sticks together and says, in the same way that God knows everything about me and still decides to love me, I want to love my community in the same way. Our life is built by this legacy of enduring love. Yesterday, I was at this wedding. Again, not the royal wedding, just in case you don't say it. 
but at this wedding, like many weddings, you hear stories of, of people who have been connected with the bride and groom, and they start to talk about uh, the things that they love about the bride and groom. And what was very evident about this bride and groom was they're very intentional about how they love people. And uh, a few of the stories that came out, uh, one of them, uh, the, the groom was named Adam. There was a story from his best man that talked about how Adam had, to, over time and again, given up vacation time uh, to, to, to move, uh, travel across country to help his, his best man move his family. Recently, that best man had moved here to Phoenix, and, and Adam gave up vacation time to go and to help him move. This groom, is, his name is Adam. Uh, some of you may know him. Uh, in my family, we know him as the diaper fairy, which sounds kind of fun, funny for a name for a man. But I remember when my wife and I, Marcy, were going through a really difficult time, uh, transition and stuff in life, and we had a, uh, we had just had our, um, Micah was three years old, um, ended up getting uh, really sick, got salmonella uh, poisoning, and was in the hospital for like five days with just terrible diarrhea. And we would, went to the hospital, brought him home, and we were just going through diaper after diaper after diaper. Um, and Adam would just drop off diapers at our door. We didn't really know who they were from at first, and we started realizing they were from him. Started calling him the diaper fairy. These intentional acts of love uh, that we'd see um, from his life over and over. His bride would do the same thing a couple of years back when Marcy and I went through very painful uh, miscarriage. Um, his wife would send us these, these gifts. His wife now, when she was Marcy's friend, would just send us uh, these, these gifts in the mail. We didn't know who they were from. Uh, they were, uh, and they would come every month, and then we realized they were from her. There was this intentional love about how well they, they loved us in ways that they didn't expect things in return. Love that is sacrificial, love that sees, love that is enduring. You build a legacy with. Yesterday, it was fun to hear just at the wedding this legacy that had been built with their life. Enduring love, you build a legacy with your family. This is something I've been learning uh, with my children. I have a 10-year-old daughter and a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And it's weird, as I look at my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, I just remember my 10-year-old daughter being that age. And yesterday, or earlier this week, Tyler and Sarah had a baby. And here's what you find about when you start having kids. Raising children requires enduring love. It's not just a simple act that you do, and it's done. You have to do the act over and over again, day after day. Doesn't just take six months. It takes a lifetime, but what you're building is something that can be a legacy. What you're building is a masterpiece. And Marcy talked about that last week on Mother's Day. The things that we pour our lives into, the most significant things might be the, thing, the people that we're raising, the people that we're mentoring. We see how enduring love over time leaves a legacy in our family. And then enduring love leaves this legacy in your church. And this is this beautiful thing, this long obedience in the same direction, a community of people that are on mission together, which makes me so excited about Desert City. I think back, this is our last Sunday after being here for three and a half years, starting with a group of maybe 30 people, and uh, over time, watching how God has grown this place just very organically, of people who love. And I love to brag about our church community because it's the fav my favorite community that I've ever been a part of. It's so exciting. I can't wait to be here on a Sunday just to see people to interact with people throughout the week. I love this community. And I'm excited about our future. We've gotten to this point because of enduring love. We've made it this far because people have said, 
I want to pour into this, this project of establishing a church here in North Phoenix. And over time, enduring love, meeting in a cafeteria when it's hot, when we have like bad lighting, um, it's not the most polished uh, experience, and yet there's something here that's special and sacred, because there's people who are committed to enduring love. When I think about just all the memories that we have uh, in this room, I'm so grateful to experience that enduring love from you. And then I'm excited about our future. And when I think about who we are as a church and where we're going, what we're trying to do in this neighborhood, and what it's going to take for us to get to the next step, the thing that will be the most powerful, other than obviously the Holy Spirit, that's, which empowers the church, is this enduring love. Love that perseveres. Love that sacrifices, love that sees. And this is something we need. As we think about kind of our next steps as a church, we're moving over to this middle school. We're going to be there for this summer. And we're kind of working on plans for this fall of like what we're going to do, where we're going to go. Um, there's a possibility we stay there. There's a possibility we come back here. Uh, we've looked at a couple different places. Um, and over the last couple of years, what I've truly tried to do is have us just build community, a core, a foundation of people that are committed to enduring love. For us to get to the next step, we have to keep that going. And yet, for us to get to the next step, um, we need something that's even kind of more stronger than my own gifting and my own leadership. What we need is for all of you to continue to take ownership, to commit to just pouring into this community. Um, when I think about how much I love this community, I think about how I want more people in our neighborhoods to experience it this community that has enduring love that's centered on Christ. I want more people to know about it because I love it, and I think that it would be wonderful for other people to be a part of it. This fall, we'll be looking at doing a couple things uh, to grow. One is that our denomination um, is excited about our progress, so they're going to be kind of coming behind us this fall, which will help us kind of create some margin, take some next steps as a church. But one of the other things that we're going to do as we head into this fall um, is we want to figure out how to just uh, continue to, to build leadership here. We would say that if you are a follower of Jesus, you're called to ministry. may not be a pastor, may not be vocational, but all of you have gifting to minister uh, to the world. And so this summer we're going to be kind of starting our, our sessions number three, which is a spiritual gifting assessment. And one of the great things that we're going to find as we go to the middle school is we get to leave everything set up and teared down for the summer. Or all of our set up, we get to leave everything up. And so you could applaud for that. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, one of the things that we do as a church is we get here at 8 a.m. We have a team that comes together and starts setting up. Um, it's amazing that come in on a Sunday morning and we do that. And then we all know that we tear down. Um, because of that, there's not a lot of time to just have like different classes and groups on a Sunday. But since we get to leave things set up, um, we're going to be planning three um, spiritual gifting assessments uh, in June and July that will start at 9 a.m. that we'd love to invite you to. And, and maybe this word spiritual gifting is weird to you. You may have never heard of it. You may know what it is and you may know what you are. But we believe that every single one of you has been gifted by God, different talents. Some of you are uh, super talented. Uh, but spiritual gifting is the gifts that God gives us to use to build the kingdom. And we want to do these assessments to kind of teach about it and talk about the different ways God empowers his church and then help you kind of hone in on what those gifts are. And uh, as we go into the fall, we want to keep the community feel that we have, um, but we want to kind of reorganize and uh, relaunch 
um, to reach more people for Jesus. So we would ask that you would sign up for one of these gift assessments. Uh, first one's going to be starting on June 10th. It's my wife's birthday, um, so Tyler might lead that one. We'll see. Um, but uh, they're going to be at 9 a.m., and uh, we'd, we'd like you, for you to come in. And, and what we want to find, and, and really my, my goal as a pastor is for us to, to, to get to the next step. I'm not, like, super gifted, um, but one thing I want to do is, is help the gifted people uh, use their gifts and their passions to meet the world's greatest needs. Um, so those are things that are kind of upcoming. This, this summer is going to be a time of, of kind of reorganizing and honing in on what do we do really well as a community. Um, enduring love, sacrificial love, love that sees, is what's going to get us to the next level. So I wanted to kind of, uh, kind of let you know that's kind of the direction we'll be heading over the next few months. This summer we'll be going through a series called Wandering Through the Wilderness, um, kind of because we're wandering, but we're not really wandering. But we're going to be talking about how when we go through difficult seasons, sometimes we learn, sometimes we learn our, our most significant lessons in those seasons. And uh, we'll be gearing up for the fall. So, love endures. Love that endures builds a legacy. When we do that, we join God in his work in this world. I took our board to uh, one of our sister churches last week, and I'll kind of end with this story. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we went to McDowell Mountain, which is uh, one of our partner churches. And it started as a church plant in a school, Laguna Elementary, with about 50 people. 23 years later, they have their own building. Uh, 23 years later, uh, they're running about 1,000 people. They have all sorts of stories of transformation. They're involved in missions both locally and globally. And it was so fun to just sit and to hear their story from one of their leaders to talk about how this enduring love, love that lasted and persevered over time has empowered the church to be what it is today. And I feel like this is the trajectory that we're on. We're three and a half years in. This is our last Sunday in this place, and I feel like we're just getting started. I'm so excited uh, to continue to build and join God in building this church with you. One of the things I wanted to do to close today is we consider just our own enduring love, love that perseveres, is instead of closing with communion like we always do, I wanted to close with one of my favorite passages in Scripture as a prayer for all of you, as a blessing, and as a challenge. And Tim's going to come back up, and we're going to close um, with worship after this prayer. Um, but this is a, a verse that I've shared in the past that we've actually read corporately together. It's a verse that was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, that author that wrote A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. But I wanted to read this to you as a community. And Tim, if you want to come back up, we'll close with this. But if you could stand and receive this as a prayer from me today. The passage is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And here are the words. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Let me read that again. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. 
Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says the Lord. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you, but get the best of evil by doing good. As a church community, let's love from the center of who we are. Let's make God visible to the world. Let's have a love that sees as God sees. Let's have a love that sacrifices as God sacrifices. And let's have a love that endures. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your love. A love that endures and perseveres. A love that walks with us on this journey. A love that transforms us to salvation and renews us through our lifetime. We're so grateful for that love. That you would know everything about us, Lord, and you would continue to love us. Lord, I pray that we would love others this way. That our life would leave a legacy, especially with our family. That we would continue to love those closest to us. With our friends, Lord, that we would have a love that endures. With our church, Lord, a love that perseveres. With our enemies, Lord, a love that transforms that your enduring love would be the character of this place. We love because you first loved us. It's in your mighty name.